0: All right, guys, let's go ahead and get started. Um, Just so you know, I can't hear you this morning. So if you're still talking, like I have no idea, just so you know that. Um, I just wanted to remind you that towards the end today, we're going to take communion together. So if you want to have your bread and juice ready so that when we get ready to do that, you're ready, that would be great. And then I also wanted to remind you about Spring Heda Um, Spring HEAT is our fundraiser for Teen Camp, and obviously we're not going to be able to have that this year, so it's all going to be online. If you haven't already, please go and register for that, which registering just means you're putting your information in so that you can bid on something if you want to. You can purchase raffle tickets if you want to. There are $10 raffle tickets and $1 raffle tickets, and that will all actually take place the end of the month. And so, if you'll go ahead and get registered and then be watching for that, that's the way we're going to do Spring Heater this year. It'll be fun. So, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and get started with the sermon this morning. And I just want to remind you um, as we talk about this that emotions are a wonderful thing. And so, I don't want you to ever hear anything we say and think, oh, emotions are these horrible, bad things. Um, But emotions are really a gift from God, and they allow us to feel deeply. Um, we experience the delights of joy as well as the pain of loss and emotions drive us to go after good things and they turn us away from undesirable things. So emotions are really positive and they're a really good thing, but because like a lot of things, because of sin, um, both our own and in the world around us, our emotions can get distorted. And so, um... We delight sometimes in evil and we find righteousness boring and we're motivated to run after that which hurts us, but we run away from what's ultimately good for us. And so our feelings can also just change. They can change day to day. They can change hour to hour. They're here today and gone tomorrow, which is where the title for our sermon comes from today. And a lot of times the reason for those changes are just random things. It can be things like age. It can be things like hormones, circumstances. Even what the weather is like outside can cause our emotions to change. And so like every other aspect of our humanity, our emotions have to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so the question I want us to really think through today during this time is, so how do we deal with emotions that are here today and gone tomorrow that can change so quickly in a way that reflects the character of our God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And we're gonna start by reading our scripture for today, which is Isaiah 40, 21 through 24. And it says this, do you not know, have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of earth and the people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown. No sooner do they take root in the ground, than he blows them away and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. So, the first thing I want to say about this is that one of the things we can do to reflect the character, character of God is to decide how we are going to feel about something. You know, we're not slaves to our emotions. We do have a choice in that. And so, we can decide how we're going to feel. And we're going to start back in verse 21 Do they know? Have they heard? Has it been told to them from the beginning? Have they understood from the foundations of the earth? And this was written, remember, to um, Jewish exiles. And the answer to all of those questions for them would have been, yes, yes, they know all those things. Yes, they've heard all those things, but they need to be reminded about them. They need to be reminded that God has been powerful and faithful from beginning to end. They need to be reminded of their years of idolatry and rebellion that resulted in their circumstances. They need to be reminded that Israel has suffered before in their slavery to Egypt, and that suffering was not the end. That in the Exodus, which is a story they would have been very familiar with, God delivered them and he brought them into the promised land. And they need to be reminded of all those things because God is about to do it again for them. Um, Their lives might appear to be hopeless, but that's not the case at all. Their emotions might tell them they should despair and they should give up. And if these exiles were dependent on their own power, that would be the case. They would need to do that. But they choose how they feel about this situation because they're not dependent on their own power, but they're dependent upon God's power. And we decide how we're going to feel about something, and we do that by being reminded of who God is. It's one of the reasons we're memorizing Isaiah chapter 40, because when we get that memorized, it tells us a lot about the character of God, and it reminds us who he is. We also need to be reminded of who God is by remembering what he's already done in our personal lives. And so I'm going to use one example um, several times this morning. And so this example is um, something in my life and Kurt's life. Um, two weeks ago, he was laid off from a job that he really loves. And for me in particular, uh, that brings about anxiety and it brings about fear and um, But the truth is that I can choose how I feel about that and what I needed to be reminded of is what God has already done. So there was another time since we've been in Denton um, when he was out of work for a year and a half. And God provided odd jobs for him to do so that we could meet our budget and we could take care of our needs. Um, God's already taken care of us through a situation like this. And so I just need to remind myself of that and choose to feel calmness and choose to feel confidence rather than anxiety and fear. And um, the other thing that I would say about that is there's not always a situation that matches up exactly. Um, with something God's done in the past, but we need to remember who God is, who his character is, how he's been with us in other situations. Um, And that can help us to know how to choose what to feel. So do we know? Yes. Have we heard? Yes. Has it been told to us from the beginning, from the foundations of the earth? Absolutely. But we need to be reminded. And these four questions call us to remember and choose how we feel. The second thing is, and some of these are going to sound um, not just a whole lot different from each other because there's a lot of overlap. But the second one is we need to look for the truth behind how we feel. So look at verses 22 and 23. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. So in thinking through the exiles and this being um, spoken to them, what would this reference to grasshoppers have meant to them? Well, they would have immediately thought about the time when the people of Israel sent scouts into the promised land to bring back a report about what was there. And in Numbers 13, 27, and 28, and 32 and 33, we see what that report said. And this is what it said We came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. And then down in Numbers 14, 2 and 3, it continues. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Really? Wouldn't it be better to go back to slavery? That's what they're going to go to here. But these Jewish exiles would have known these stories like the back of their hand. And so when they heard the words and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, the first thing that would have come to their mind was this story from the book of Numbers when they lacked enough faith to go into the promised land and take what God had given them. A story that resulted in a 40-year detour. A story of no faith in a powerful God. But in Isaiah, when they hear these words, they get to hear a different story. They're hearing a story of faith that assures them that all humans look like grasshoppers from God's perspective. That God sees everyone as if they were grasshoppers. The people of Israel and the people of Babylon. The slaves and the kings neither the slaves nor the kings were in charge rather god jehovah yahweh is the one in charge and god could destroy babylon in an instant and that is what will happen when cyrus king of persia defeats babylon so this time the phrase the inhabitants are like grasshoppers is saying to them don't worry you're in god's hands this time you're not the grasshoppers In God's eyes, the king of Babylon is the grasshopper. And so again, back to my example of Kurt being out of work, I need to look at the truth behind how I feel. How I'm feeling isn't what the truth is. Am I afraid? Yes. Am I anxious? Yes. And is that real? Absolutely. But am I in a hopeless situation? No. Am I on my own? No. The truth is that God is in control and can and has overcome whatever situation makes us afraid. Something else that really helps me with this is in my Bible, as I've been reading through the Bible this year, I've highlighted all of the descriptions of God. And so it might be a description a person in the Bible has given. It might be a description God has given about himself. But it helps me to go back and read those and remind myself of the character of God and who God is um, so that I can um, look for the truth behind my feelings. There's another sense in which we need to look at the truth behind how we feel, and that's when it comes to obedience. So when we listen to our feelings too much, we start to believe that what we feel is always right, no matter what God teaches in the story of the Bible. And so Jesus tells me to be generous. He tells me to share what I have with the people that I see around me that need something. And I say, I don't feel like sharing. Kurt's out of a job. I'm not sure we're going to have enough to take care of ourselves. I'm not sure there's going to be enough um, toilet paper at the grocery store to go around. Um, But no matter what, God teaches us that he is the one that will provide for us And so I can't justify my lack of generosity by saying, well, that wouldn't be true to what I'm feeling right now. Like, that just wouldn't be authentic. It would be a lie for me to do that when I don't feel that way. I need to look at the truth behind how I feel in this scenario, and I need to see that the way I feel in this scenario is sinful. And basically what I'm saying is, Jesus, I don't care that you told me to do this. I don't feel like it right now, so I'm not doing it. And what I feel is wrong, and I need to change that. Jesus never says to us, when you get around to feeling like it so that you can be authentic, I want you to obey me. Obeying when we don't feel like it is called faith. And faith is trusting what God says above everything else, even above my own feelings. So there are two ways that we need to look at the truth behind how we feel. One in the sense that we may feel a certain way, but we need to remind ourselves of who God is and that he's in control so that we can see the truth of the situation. The second one is that we may feel a certain way and we may be wrong in feeling that way and need to change and obey in faith. And then the third thing is we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously. So in verse 24, no sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Among other things, the exiles would have been workers in the vineyards, and they would have been familiar with the winds that blow in from the desert. And that sucked the moisture out of the vines and a newly planted vine would not have any defense against a wind like this and so it would wither and it would die and then the wind would strip the leaves from the stalk and blow it away that's what the chaff is and in the same way God is saying that he can breathe hot dry air on a king and that king is going to um, see that his power and his rule can wither and die and this is where the title for our sermon comes from this idea of emotions withering up and dying and being blown away like chaff on the vine. They're here today and gone tomorrow, and honestly, so are we. And so we've got to stop taking ourselves so seriously and learn to laugh at ourselves. I wanted to read you just a short uh, passage from the screw tape letters because I think screw tape addresses this pretty well. He's talking to Wormwood here, and he says, I see only one thing to do at the moment. Your patient has become humble. Have you drawn his attention to that fact? All virtues are less formidable to us once the man is aware that he has done them. But this is especially true of humility. Catch him at the moment when he is really poor in spirit and smuggle into his mind the gratifying reflection, by Jove, I think I'm being humble. And almost immediately pride, pride at his own humility, will appear. If he awakes to the danger and tries to smother this new form of pride, make him proud of his attempt, and so on through as many stages as you please. But don't try this too long, for fear you awake his sense of humor, his sense of humor and proportion, in which case he will merely laugh at you and go to bed And I like this passage because I think it tells us what we should do when we realize that we're caught in a trap, like he's talking about here. So if you think about it, it really is kind of humorous when we try and be humble that then we become proud of ourselves for being humble and we get caught in that cycle over and over again. And if we would just wake up to the absurdity of that predicament and that cycle, we could laugh it off and we could go on to something else so laughing at ourselves can be seen as a sign of humility and of understanding our place in the world when my sister was in high school she ran cross country and i did not like to run at all but one day she talked me into running with her and so uh, we were running and i hit an uneven spot in the um, sidewalk and i fell like i face planted flat on my face And when I did, I scraped my knees and so blood was running all down my legs and everything. But when my sister turned around, she started laughing hysterically and would not quit. And I was so angry at her for laughing at me. And so all the way back home, she laughed literally all the way back home. And what that did is because I couldn't laugh at myself, I over-exaggerated my injuries. I I kept telling her how badly I was hurt, and she was laughing at me trying to make her feel bad. And for years after that, I refused to run again, Um, all because I took myself too seriously and I took my feelings too seriously and I couldn't laugh at myself. But the strangest thing happened. Once I learned to laugh about it, I realized how ridiculous I was being and I could laugh at myself and I could move on from that and I could start running again but it took me several years to get to that point so we've got to learn to laugh at ourselves we've got to learn to be humble and to not take ourselves so seriously so how do we deal with emotions which are here today and gone tomorrow in a way that reflects the character of God who is the same yesterday today and forever We can do that in three ways. We can decide how we're going to feel about something. We can look at the truth behind how we feel, and how we feel isn't the truth God is, and how we feel can be wrong. We need to recognize those two things, and we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously. And so I think that um, I would love for you to go back and read through this scripture again and just think about how... Um, what this said to the Jews when they read through this, what it reminded them of. And I hope that you'll be able to find some of your own lessons in that for how to deal with emotions that are here today and gone tomorrow. So if you guys have any questions, you can go ahead and submit that. And I will look at those and see if I can answer them. And also, if you have your stuff for communion, you can go ahead and get ready for that as well. I see lots of happy Easter's and somebody said they've hidden Easter eggs in our backyard. I'm excited about that. Okay, we're going to go ahead. We'll just go ahead and uh, take communion together. So one of the reasons I wanted to um, do this together this morning on Easter Sunday especially is because um, I think that this is a great gift that God has given us to help us be together when we can't physically be together together. Um, I miss physically being with you guys and taking communion together. But every Sunday all over our city, we're separated physically from other Christians that we're taking communion with. We're separated from other Christians in our family of churches, but we're able to unite around that. And so um, I wanted us to think about the Christians this morning that that we're united with around the world and in our nation and in our city. And I found a, um, I don't know, I guess it's a thought by Martin Luther King Jr., and I want to read that to you this morning. It's a little bit lengthy, but not too bad, but it's really good. And it, interestingly enough, relates to our sermon this morning. But this is what he said. We must come to see that life is a pendulum swinging between two opposites, a pendulum swinging between disappointment and fulfillment, between success and failure, between joy and sorrow, and that's life. And we never mask the life, and we think that life must be only joyous and happy and that we must live in terms of fulfillment. Disappointment is just as much a part of life as fulfillment. Failure is just as much a part of life as success. Sorrow is much a part of life as joy. That is the thing that religion helps us to see. That is the greatness of Jesus. And he goes one day out standing amid the Good Friday's light. He knows that Good Friday is as much a part of life as Easter. And life somehow is a pendulum swinging between Good Friday and Easter, swinging between agony and triumph, swinging between darkness and light. And he who learns that has learned the lesson of life so that he doesn't break down when he faces the other side of the pendulum. When the bitter moments of life come, he doesn't break down, nor does he get overjoyous when the sweet moments of life come, because he knows that this is the endless trend of life. But one day we might be rich, and that doesn't bother us. One day we might be poor, and that doesn't bother us. And I say to you this morning that I'm not going to put my ultimate faith in these little gods that are here today and gone tomorrow. I'm not going to put my ultimate faith in a few dollars and cents and a few Cadillac cars and Buick convertibles. I'm going to put my ultimate faith in the God of the universe who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When all of these gods have passed away, he's still standing, and he is the eternal companion. I hope that encourages you this morning as much as it did me. I think that's a really helpful thought of the pendulum swinging. And we're going to pray together and take communion together. And then you guys can feel free to a fellowship over Zoom if you want to. But we'll be done after that. Um, God, I just want to thank you for giving us emotions. Um, I thank you for the fact that they are here today and gone tomorrow, that we don't have to just live in them. Um, and that we can see that pendulum swing back and forth between pleasant emotions and hard emotions. Um, God, I just pray that you would unite us together as we celebrate um, what Jesus has done done for us this morning. I thank you for his death and for his resurrection, and that we'll be resurrected like he is one day. I thank you for his love and his care for us, and that we can be Uh, reunited with you, God, and reconciled to you and have a relationship with you because of um, this day. And I pray that no matter what situation we find ourselves in today, that we'll remember that um, Jesus has given us victory and that that victory is coming. And God, I just want to pray for our world right now and pray that you would bring hope. I pray that we would um, be that hope as we're interacting with individual people I pray that you would bring an end to this virus and that you would um, protect the people that are working to protect us and to heal us. And I pray that you'd bring healing to our land, Lord. We love you a lot. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week.